Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Urban Wilderness, a podcast about my journey to learn as much as I can about wilderness survival techniques and bushcraft. Back in January, I started summarizing and reviewing the survival techniques in a Netflix original called Daybreak. It's a series I'm calling High School Apocalypse. Parts one to three reviewed the TV series portion of Daybreak, which aired for one season in 2019. In 10 episodes, the show put an interesting spin on the post-apocalyptic genre by having undead that don't infect those they bite and a world ravaged by biochemical nuclear war where all the survivors are children and teenagers. This episode is the finale of High School Apocalypse. It's a comprehensive summary of the Netflix podcast affiliated with the show called The Only Podcast Left. It released all six episodes in 2019 and was mostly promoted on Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts. I'll start with the official description of the podcast. Meet the AV Club. They're a group of kids who survive the apocalypse by using their skills to rig cameras and spy on warring tribes. It's the only podcast left. The first episode takes place after episode four of the TV series. The host, who introduces herself as Harvard, explains that platforms for podcasts still exist in the apocalypse. This is how they're able to upload their episodes. The AV Club is made up of Harvard, who is Melissa, MIT, USC, who is Devin, Gap Year, who is Jaden, and their producer, Mark. Melissa and Devin reveal their names in the first episode. Jaden's name is acknowledged a few episodes later, but over the course of the, ep- the whole series, I was unable to catch MIT's real name. I'm really curious as to what it is, and I hope I didn't just miss it. If you know her character's name, please comment on any episode 11 posts on Twitter or Instagram for Urban Wilderness. The nicknames used by the cast hold great personal value to them because they are a tribute to the lives they could have lived, except except for Gapier, maybe. <laughs> Gapier was a high school student taking a year off from school to work at, at the Gap at the time of the bombings in Glendale and the subsequent podcast recordings. Not that he has anything to be ashamed of. He graduated and he had a job. It's just that it seemed to be a character trait of his to be on edge when people asked about his nickname. The others chose nicknames based on the American post-secondary schools they had been accepted into. It's endearing that they were all so different, but they share the same passion. The AV club was covering a football game when the biochemical nuclear bombs were detonated, so they already had all of their recording equipment with them. Continuing with their tech and producer seemed like the next natural step. The AV Club records the first episode taking shelter in a smoothie shop. The reasoning behind this is that the nutritional supplements called Juice Boost were a healthy form of sustenance. The trade-off for this advantage is that the retail space they occupied is fairly exposed. Their shopfront faced a street frequented by rival tribes and ghoulies. I can say pretty confidently that businesses preparing and supplying food kind of have to have an open retail space. I mean, who wants to eat in a place that has no windows? It sucks, but that's the reality of it. This is Glendale, California, not Silent Hill. (laughs) MIT was able to offer her club members a sense of security when she hacked just over 4,000 cameras around Glendale to provide them with a surveillance system as well as content for the podcast. 
The cast utilizes these cameras to summarize the events of Daybreak with spirited narration. Their episodes are boosted by the production value of, of added music, sound effects, and overall editing. This is provided by their producer, Mark. It's likely also Mark that pushes Harvard to put out an open call to Glendale survivors for podcast sponsorship. This comes into play later when they interview guests. The podcast itself has an interesting starting point in which Harvard convinces Gapier to interview celebrity ghoulies in and around the LA area for what she calls a TMZ Mad Max style segment. The basis for this is that signature segments will draw on more subscribers. Noted, Harvard. Noted. <laughs> the celebrity ghoulie segment seems like a high-risk, low-reward scenario to me, but Gapier delivers, and the cast spends several minutes confusing Jay Leno and Jerry Seinfeld, and then crapping on Jimmy Fallon. It's an acute use of local geography, since the celebrity sightings depend greatly on one's ability to navigate L.A. This sparks my first real question for this episode. How valuable is knowledge of local geography in a post-apocalyptic setting? To keep things brief, yes, it's valuable. <laughs> Navigating primary, secondary, and even tertiary roads is essential, not just for avoiding undead hotspots, but also for a relatively uninterrupted journey from point A to point B. Abandoned vehicles blocking the roads means you're using a winch to tow these vehicles out of the way. Also, relocating out resources it's 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 good to know like where isolated grocery stores, pharmacies, and gas stations are. Knowing where to get water, water purification systems, that that's vital. Knowledge of retail space that sells water cooler supplies, as well as refills for those 19 liter or five gallon jugs. That amount of fresh, clean water is treasure in a post in, a, in an apocalypse, in my opinion. In addition to gas stations, woof. After all, you won't be able to fuel a vehicle on found jerry cans alone. <laughs> You'll have to jump to the pump at some point during your travels. Lastly, and arguably the most important in the, in the daybreak lore, is territory, knowing who lives where. The details about how the tribes established and maintain their territory, it, it's something only a local to Glendale would know how to how to avoid other people altogether like Josh in the TV series, or how to safely approach a tribe for initiation, like in again in the TV series when Angelica and Miss Crumble join the Amazon cheerleaders by submitting to their gauntlet of three tests. The tribes in the TV show divide up the city, and it's vital to know who's who to avoid slavery or death. This leads me to the other segment featured on the podcast. The Tribe's Spotlight. For the first episode, the AV Club sees this opportunity to highlight themselves a little further. But the spotlight is interrupted by banging on the studio door. Gapier tripped on a skateboard just outside the smoothie shop and skinned his elbows. He declares that his road rash lured a horde of ghoulies. This is confirmed when um, the other cast members reluctantly comment on the extent of his bleeding. So... Can a fresh wound draw unwanted attention, and how does it do so? I read an article from 2017 on the Forbes website. It's titled, How the Scent of Blood Attracts Predators, Alerts Prey, and Enhances Your Visual Perception. I'll read the introduction and post a link to the article on Twitter. It reads, 
Researchers have discovered that the same molecule in blood that attracts predators also triggers an avoidance response in prey species. It's the first time a single chemical has been found to have such a dual behavioral function in distinctly related species. Moreover, when they observed its effect on humans, they found something very curious indeed. This molecule enables the scent of blood to increase your alertness and your visual perception. This information could be the perfect missing puzzle piece for the ghoulies, who are humans mutated by a combination of nuclear radiation and a viral plasmid that rearranged their DNA. They are standard undead in appearance, but their bite doesn't infect their victims. Ghoulies were human. The same article suggests further familiarity. Many predator-prey pairs have evolved a unique olfactory relationship. In other words, certain predators tend to be attracted to a specific blend of odors associated with their natural prey. So, mutated humans, or just plain old undead, prefer to hunt what is familiar to them, the people they used to be, living the lives they used to live. It's so cool! I'll post a link to the article on Twitter. It's something to think about, for sure. Anyways, the AV Club is able to evade the horde of ghoulies. This, their escape is skipped over, and then the AV Club finds themselves in the garage studio of stand-up comedian and podcast host of WTF, Mark Marin. His studio is the dream. It incorporates both a recording booth, a soundboard, and it's all powered by generators. They don't specify how many generators or mention any fuel stores for them, but the studio is jacked into MIT's surveillance system 24-7, so I'm guessing it's a lot. <laughs> so, after the first official tribe spotlight is announced, this means actual guests in their actual studio, half of the cast is concerned about allowing strangers into the AV club's New Haven so soon after losing their last one. I'm inclined to agree with the cautious half of the club, their generators are unquestionably valuable. A working generator and its accompanying fuel are life-saving resources. The devices, while bulky and kind of fragile, are not impossible to steal. One of the guests will return with a different tribe that has malicious intentions. We'll gloss over that detail for now, because the next guest is the character Wesley. He's easily the strongest tie between the podcast and the TV show. The interview has a rough start because they have to explain to him what AV stands for, but he delivers a satisfying and linear plot summary of Daybreak. All hail the king of exposition. <laughs> Wesley also circulates some genuine advice about being kind and sensitive toward post-apocalyptic friends and allies. Because the end of the world was traumatic for everyone, you can kill time by polishing your solar panels or hoarding resources, but at some point you have to acknowledge that you lost everything. Wesley departs on that somber note, and the guest for the tribe spotlight arrives. I have to say the production value at this point is marvelous. Not shocking for a six-episode podcast with Netflix funding, but when the spotlight guest storms out of the interview, the audio carries from one headphone to another, and I could have sworn someone was stomping around behind me. It was very, very well done. The episode closes with them spotting Gap Ear's corpse on one of their cameras, stabbed by an 8-inch chef's knife. So, they suspect he was murdered, and the next episode has a cold open. Literally. 
It's a memorial for Gap Year and two characters from the Daybreak series. It made me question, what is a proper funeral during a zombie apocalypse? Now, there are a lot of examples in TV shows, movies, and even video games. It's a delicate balance between the energy required to build a grave or the availability of fuel sources for burning the body, as well as other options that may arise based on your environment, like a burial at sea is a great example. The AV Club chose not to specify in their broadcast how they laid Gap Year to rest. During his memorial, Harvard has the audacity to say that the most interesting thing about Gap Year's life was his death. It gets kind of cringy there for a minute, but MIT uses a surveillance system and they are able to track Gap Year's last movements prior to his death. An audio file uploaded onto the server reveals that he was being followed by a tribe dressed in suits. He spies his tribe listening to the only podcast left and swears that they don't seem to be fans of the show. The tribe was able to avoid the cameras while tailing him and then murdering him because they listened to the first episode of the show over and over and over again and memorized the camera locations that had been revealed. MIT harnessed over 4,000 cameras, but the suit's knowledge proved to be sufficient enough to take out a member of the AV club without being seen. Soon after coming to this gruesome realization, the AV club spots this particular tribe outside of their garage studio. The enemy was able to surmise their location from a map to the stars' homes looted from Gapier. The cast find themselves surrounded and threatened. It's now that MIT recognizes a guest from the previous episode. The hostiles storm in, and the cast arm themselves with everyday objects for self-defense. However, for some reason... The producer, Mark, has a harpoon gun, and I am so here for that, <laughs> actually. What are, what are some of the best household items to use for self-defense? A quick search gave me a short but satisfying list. Kitchen knives, as well as cast iron pots and pans. Sports equipment, like golf clubs, baseball bats, hockey sticks. Workout equipment, such as weights and dumbbells. Tools, like wrenches, hammers, pipes and miscellaneous or improvised items like rocks, bricks, and two-by-fours. At this point, the podcast surpasses the timeline of the TV series, that is, after the missile is detonated in an airburst explosion in the 10th and final episode. One week after the finale of Daybreak, the podcast begins its sixth and last episode, with the cast nervously emphasizing for their audience that they are not being held hostage. The AV Club claims that at this moment, all the tribes are at war for territories and resources. They admit that a significant amount of their cameras have been taken out. It's all very forced and understandably cringy. However, the guests for the tribe spotlight are not part of the suit tribe that rampaged the grad studio in the previous episode. Because um, the hostile tribe is still nameless at this point, which honestly is very on brand for Daybreak. The TV show withheld the answers to very important and reasonable questions. Anyways, the STEM punks sit in on this episode and talk about their tribe, STEM. Well, STEM is an acronym for science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. They boast about their solar panels and trucks fueled by corn oil. The tribe is eager to offer their services and barter with any tribe that can offer them protection. A great example of their fine work is building drones to deliver payloads of explosives to hordes or rival tribes. 
These drones have a built-in failsafe to prevent them from being used against the Stampunks. The Stampunks tribe generously advise the AV club when the disabled cameras are brought up in conversation. The solution is an easy fix. It's suggested that an amplifier be used to boost the receiver signal. The cast then lets it slip that they're being held against their will. Unfortunately, the Stempunks are too concerned with their own safety and cannot help. The end of the episode has one high note. The only podcast left finally has a celebrity ghoulie. It's John Favreau, uh, the, the one that hosts Pod Save America. He was the, he's the former director of speech writing for President Obama. Anyway, ghoulies are known for repeating the last thoughts that cross their minds before the biochemical nuclear warhead turned their brains into jelly. Favreau says, I'm starting to question podcasting as a medium. This pushes Harvard over the edge. She finds a way to get the recording booth herself, locking out her co-host and somehow her producer. (laughs) She confesses to lying about being held captive, among other things. To her, the podcast was always about not feeling alone, about reaching others in the post-apocalyptic Glendale and sharing a special bond over the end of the world. Unfortunately, in doing this, they discovered a way to spy on everyone, and others wanted that tech for themselves. The finale of the show is the door being broken down and Harvard struggling with her captors. Soon after, the audience is reassured by USC and MIT that the true facade was Harvard's outburst. And that's it! A major cliffhanger, I know. And Daybreak wasn't renewed for a second season. (laughs) This has been my series, High School Apocalypse, a comprehensive summary of the survival techniques used in the Netflix TV series Daybreak and its affiliated podcast, The Only Podcast Left. It's been a journey, and I'll have a new topic for next month's episode. You can follow me on Instagram at Urban Wilderness Podcast and on Twitter at Urban Wild Pod. Feel free to message me or comment on my post to let me know what you thought about the series or even if it's just to say hi. Thank you so much for listening. This has been Urban Wilderness reminding you to leave the road and take the trails.